Hello, everyone. Welcome to Our Two Cents with MBA. I'm Jackson Hathaway, Senior Vice President of Marketing, Communication, and Member Service at the MBA. We appreciate so much how many of you listened to our first podcast with MBA President and CEO Max Cook, and we welcome hearing from you, your thoughts on that podcast, the topics we need to be addressing in future podcasts, and just generally everything we can do to make this an informative and engaging tool for you as the bankers in the state that we want to communicate with. We're excited that today is our second podcast and our first time with the formal name Our Two Cents because we have the right person for the big reveal. Today's guest is a lifelong banker who recently took on a new role in his career. He is being exposed to and learning a new side of the banking industry, one that he saw deeply and intensively as a banker, but now he's bringing that previous experience as an asset to his new endeavor. And that person is Rob Barrett, our new commissioner of the Missouri Division of Finance. Rob, thanks for joining us. We're glad to have you here. Thank you, Jackson. I, you know, I really appreciate this opportunity. I really appreciate the chance to go after Max because, and I know you'll agree with me on this, Jackson, that Max has never set the bar very high. And, and so he's an easy one to follow, and uh, it'll be easy to really look good. We really wanted to have a low bar for you when you came in. That's, uh, that's well said. Well, I know that for many of our audience, you're a familiar figure. They've seen you around the industry uh, for any number of years. They have, of course, supported you as you moved into your new role. But there are also quite a few people like me, uh, I've only been at the NBA since November, who haven't had a chance to get to know you as well. And I'm sure for some of our younger bankers out there, people who haven't been to a lot of NBA events, they'd like to know a little bit more about Rob Barrett. Uh, so can you give us a little of your biography? What's your journey been in banking that led you to where you are today? You bet, uh, Jackson. I uh, grew up in northwest Missouri, uh, Holt, Atchison, Nottoway counties up there, Craig, Mound City, Tarkio. And uh, part of my background has always been agriculture. My dad taught VOAG for 34 years. I, I remember uh, I bought feeder pigs from my neighbor, and I'd go down to my local bank, the exchange bank there in Mound City, and borrow money from Carson McCormick. And uh, I'm not sure that Dad ever co-signed those notes, but uh, that was kind of my first experience in banking. I do know my folks put uh, five of us through the university, so uh, we've got Mizzou pretty deep in our DNA, and that's a lot of my background. But I also know that uh, I uh, received the Exchange Bank scholarship to Mizzou, a $500 scholarship when I graduated from high school. In 71, that was a lot of money, mm -hmm. and uh, that has helped kind of form my background, not just with ag, but with community banking and how they supported uh, young people and their futures. So I, I owe a lot of my banking background, not only to that scholarship, but to my banker, Carson McCormick. Wow. I, uh, I taught VOAG for five and a half years and uh, until I finished my master's degree. And then I was ready to do something else. And I had the opportunity to uh, go with the uh, Birches and the Thompsons and the Skinners into the bank right there where I was teaching, uh, First State Bank of Dearborn. And so that's really where I, I, I started my banking career in community banks with people like the Thompsons and the Birches and so forth. Then uh, in 83, we had the opportunity to, to buy a small struggling bank in Sheldon, Missouri. $8 million bank with some problems during the ag crisis. But we were able to get it cleaned up, moved it to Nevada. Since then, we had uh, 
added uh, facilities in four different counties. I do know Ken Littlefield was my uh, was the commissioner of finance when we bought the bank. Hmm. So I had to sit across the table from Ken and uh, convince him that uh, our loan loss reserve was sufficient. That's a long ways from Cecil today. <laughs> but uh, Eric McClure, another past mm-hmm. commissioner of finance, uh, was an examiner and examined hmm. me. Uh, I can remember when we were in Nevada. I had to uh, convince Eric that uh, a loan was okay not to be charged off. So uh, I've kind of had a little bit of role reversal, and, and I, those two guys ha- had an impact on my banking career without without a doubt. But uh, in in the process, uh, my background with banking, we bought a uh, five million dollar bank, Farmers Bank of Walker, directly from the FDIC. Uh, we purchased uh, savings and loan in Lamar uh, from the RTC. And uh, we actually bought our shop in El Dorado Springs from Union Planners. Now, Union Planners was a you know a sound banking uh, institution, and they were just trimming their branches a little bit. But uh, a lot of my background is uh, cleaning up problems. Hmm. I've been through uh, closing two facilities and recognized firsthand uh, the community impact uh, and, and uh, how that affects those people in that area. So uh, that's my background, and that's uh, part of what I'm bringing to the Division of Finance. I think that's, that's fascinating. When you, when you talk about where you started in the world of banking, it wasn't really in banking. It was, it was in the ag world. It was family farm, and then getting connected with that exchange scholarship, and the next thing you know, you're kind of just in, involved in it deeply. And um, I think that for many of our bankers, you know, their journey to get into banking doesn't look like they, they picked it as their career. You know, they just kind of found their way there through different avenues. And uh, for many of them, it's ag. And for others, it's it's any number of entry points. But the careers they can build, I think you're a great example of. You know, you can take yourself from just a scholarship all the way to owning and running your own institution. I always say that Carson taught me how to type, too, because he'd spin around and type the note right there himself, but with two fingers. <laughs> And that's the way I type today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's great that uh, your background involves so much of running the banks and and helping with the struggling banks and recognizing the impact that has not just on the dollars and cents, but on the people and the communities. And I think that, you know, as a commissioner of finance, that's an important piece of the puzzle. And you've been appointed to the division at the tail end of 2019, and you were kind enough to come join us at Executive Management Conference in St. Louis in December. In January, the Missouri Senate formally confirmed you as commissioner. So so what have the last few months been like for you, uh, going through that whole process and now that you're really launching in with your team at the division? And Jackson, they've been um, fun, uh, fun, involved, and educational. I just picked up on the fact that you and I started about the same time in November. And so uh, I, I do know that uh, Susan and I looked at uh, eight houses on the day after Veterans Day. That night, we made an offer on one. The next morning, it was accepted. And 10 days later, we moved into that house And uh, <laughs> on a Saturday. And Monday the 25th, I started at the uh, Division of Finance. So uh, w- we did it quickly, and uh, it, it worked out very, very well. We had a lot of help, but it worked out very well. But that's the pace we've also kept at the Division. Uh, we had some challenges some items that needed to be addressed firsthand and and we've done that and i th- i think that our team at the division appreciates the fact that some things that 
have been challenges for the past maybe two years uh, were corrected promptly. Now, I, I need to be the first to admit that it wasn't just me that uh, enacted that. I do know Max and his executive officer team and so forth uh, blazed the way and, and made a big impact on helping with those corrections. And so, as usual, the Bankers Association uh, have uh, been a big, big help, as well they should be, because bankers pay our bills, obviously, through the assessment, and uh, they need to get what they're paying for. Mm. Uh, so it, it, it's it's been, you know, real progressive, and we've, we've accomplished a variety of things, a, a variety of goals that we wanted to but I, I found out that I had a pretty good background in what uh, I needed to know. But I also have realized that uh, we have a tremendous team, uh, a, a great group of people over there in the Truman Building. I've not, I've not asked a single question that I didn't get an immediate qualified response. Mm. So they're a very talented, very helpful group. And I say that not just for me, but uh, that uh, they're that way with the bankers as well. Yeah, so you have a lot of confidence in the people who are out there doing the yeoman's work. Tremendous amount. Mm -hmm. Tremendous amount of confidence. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you already have some goals and priorities in mind. What do those look like for the division? What should our bankers expect to see from their regulators and uh, contacts on your team? The, uh, you know, it, obviously to keep banking sound, to keep community banking sound and hopefully profitable. Uh, throughout the state, and that's happening because the industry, of course, today is very strong. You know, we've accomplished uh, a variety of our short-term goals, and and we feel real good about you know filling our staff and and uh, re-establishing uh, uh, the division's autonomy and a, a variety of things like that. But so now we really have two other goals. A uh, little more long term. I mentioned our bank in Sheldon in '83. The regulators, FDIC Division of Finance, and so forth, had to gear up with examiners in in those days, uh, just because of the ag banking crisis. And so a a lot of people are about my age, and brings us a a lot of talent, uh, a a lot of background, and so forth to our industry. But at the same time, now our uh, exams have become more efficient. Uh, we don't have as many banks to examine because of uh, mergers, acquisitions, and so forth. So there, there's not a tremendous demand for examiners. But we do need to hire young people. We do need to get uh, some training going that hasn't really been done hasn't absolutely been necessary in the past few years, like I say, because of the soundness of banks and the efficiency of examinations and so forth, but we need to start hiring some young examiners. So beginning this spring, we're going to incrementally start bringing on young people, training them, uh, getting them in banks so they'll uh, learn their career on good loans especially with the mentors that we have available now. The second thing that we have that, that is a real challenge, not a new challenge, is the senior leaders of our group, their salaries cap out with our career ladder. And so we, we have a real 
pay challenge. Uh, we lost a young examiner. I, I say a young examiner. He, he was a senior examiner to the Fed uh, just uh, during my tenure, and I spoke with him personally. And uh, he had other reasons for moving back to St. Louis and going with the Fed, but he also told me, he said, Rob, I'm moving. Uh, my starting salary is going to be $20,000, over 20000 greater than I'm making today. Mm. He says, but, but that's not the only reason I'm moving. He said, my starting salary is $9,000 higher at the start than it would be with me down the road wow. when I retire. So we have a, a, a big challenge to get the, that career ladder adjusted so mm-hmm. we, we pay for the quality that the bankers need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are interesting, and I'm sure they hit some notes. You know, the, the idea of hiring young and training people up, that's certainly prevalent across the banking industry, you know, as banks are looking at succession and uh, new leaders that need to come up. You know, it's interesting to hear it's no different from the regulatory side of things. We have to have those kinds of talented, capable people, but you got to be able to pay them. You got to be able to compensate them to stay around so that we have good, you know, in 20 years, we still have good, sound regulators capable of supporting the banks, doing their job well, and we're not just struggling to find talent. Now, and, and Missouri does have a good retirement system, and a lot of people are anxious to stay on because because of the retirement system. And, and uh, Missouri examiners don't have to travel as much, mm. be away from home as much as uh, some of our counterparts. So we do have advantages in that respect. Mm-hmm. But one of our priorities at beginning this spring as we start to work on the, the next uh, fiscal year and so forth is uh, we're, we need to correct our career ladder at the top. So in the good news category, you have managed to do some hiring since you've been at the division and some appointments that are going to make a difference. For the past few years, the division hasn't had a full-time deputy commissioner or chief counsel. And about a month ago, Mick Campbell was named deputy commissioner and Jamie Gallagher was named chief counsel. So what can you tell us about these folks and what their appointments mean for Missouri banks? We're real happy to have Mick and and Jamie both because, and actually we advanced them from the ranks. Uh, Mick is a graduate of Missouri State University and uh, has been with the division for nearly 16 years now. He uh, initially was a consumer credit examiner and uh, he specialized particularly in real estate and compliance and he actually evolved into the supervisor of mortgage exam and licensing uh, programs for the division. And so uh, he, he brings a lot to the table in that respect, but uh, he also has tremendous background in uh, legislation and administration and so forth for the division. So he's going to be uh, real critical to me, especially in, in managing uh, our division right there on the sixth floor. Uh, Jamie is a, has his law degree from the university uh, in, at Mizzou. Uh, he was the senior counsel uh, for the division for nearly 11 years. And so he, too, brings tremendous uh, experience and background into that position. Uh, he he was a special prosecutor for Cole County and a partner in a local law firm here for nearly 10 years before that. So Jamie has a very diverse background uh, in corporate consumer law, but also in real estate and banking. And uh, he, he'll be you know, tremendous help to us, not just in, in 
banking and finance law, but also uh, has already stepped in, filling a, a big void with uh, legislation. Mm. And so uh, we're, we're excited. Uh, we've already filled a mix vacancy that he left, but uh, we'll soon be posting for uh, the vacancy that uh, we created by advancing Jamie, uh, and we'll, we'll add another person into that staff as well. You are moving over there at the division. You're not letting things just lie still. I think it's good to hear there's there's change afoot. Absolutely. I don't think it'll ever get boring. <laughs> <laughs> so in that wave of change, there's also been headway on the state banking board. It's been quite a while since the board was active, and Governor Parson recently named three bankers to the state banking board. Thane Kiefer from Bolivar, Jay Knudsen from Cape Girardeau, and Harold Miles from Advance. What kind of activity should we expect to see from the board, and why should bankers be excited about it? I'm excited about it, and I really appreciate the fact that Governor Parson has stepped up and uh, started to fill this role. Initially, uh, with these three appointments, that will constitute a quorum of our board. And so we'll be able to meet and uh, rejuvenate that board's activities. Uh, Again, thanks to... Max and the MBA for for pushing and getting this uh, rekindled. Uh, it's going to be a big help, not just to the division, but also to bankers. Uh, it, it, it'll be a typical board. They, they won't run the show, but they'll mm. sh- certainly have tremendous input. Statutorily, they do have the, they can override uh, our decisions if necessary. And But I really see them in two other principal roles. One, as a conduit to us from the bankers. They'll be able to voice whatever they're hearing and seeing uh, directly to us uh, from, from the local community banks. And I think that, that input is, is really critical. I recognize that lots of times a, a, a bank might be reluctant to – to voice an opinion because uh, they fear that we'll be in their bank the next week. And uh, that, of course, is not so. But but with a, a state banking board, uh, it, it does provide that uh, avenue to, to voice concerns. The other thing that they'll do, and, and particularly because of the governor's appointment, uh, they'll have a direct link to the governor and our state legislator. That, that's... Uh, critical uh, and with uh, a variety of things that we have going on right now they'll help us play a big role in uh, working across the street if you will mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it'll be an important entity both in terms of information coming into the division and in the relationships that the division has and that bankers have with the executive branch without a doubt. state government mm-hmm. yes yeah that's it's a really interesting development and certainly something i think we should be excited about and i, I we haven't met yet but our goal is to uh, have our first meeting yet this first quarter and at least quarterly thereafter mm-hmm. and uh in visiting with jay and thane and harold uh they're all very excited and I'm confident they're knowledgeable and, and uh, anxious uh, to do their part. That's wonderful. Well, given your banking experience, your staff's experience, the revitalization of the state, banking board, and everything else you have going on, what can bankers expect from the Division of Finance now and moving forward? Like we've already touched on, uh, particularly since our industry is doing well and, and banking is strong, 
uh, I'm urging our examiners to be very proactive. Uh, I'm wanting them to maybe forecast a little more, have some radar, if you will, when they're in the field dealing with banks, uh, bankers, young bankers even, and uh, working with them to maybe forecast and project. Not that anything's going to be on the uh, report or that it'll ever be written up, but we want our bankers and our bank examiners to be very proactive. It's tough to clean up problems. It's, it's difficult to uh, correct challenges, but it's even more difficult when the banking uh, climate changes and turns the other direction. So as much as possible, we need to correct challenges now while banking is strong. And so we want to look at that as closely as we can and maybe head off maybe problems in the future. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, particularly as we look ahead and try to figure out when the economic cycle will will flip. As inevitably happens in every boom, there's going to be a bit of a a drawback at some point. I think being proactive is something Max talked about on our first podcast that really resonated. And to hear you say it again at the division, I think, is very important. Without a doubt. Well, before we sign off, can you just share your two cents with us, your two cents on banking and the banking industry? You know, obviously, I saw these questions, Jackson, and I I was trying to think. First two cents would be uh, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. And as always, uh, thanks to the MBA for everything they've done for me and my entire family. And finally, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't didn't bring out one point that – uh, all our bankers everywhere need to uh, focus on is pace lending. Uh, that's a problem, particularly in Missouri, because with that pace program, uh, those loans for energy efficient uh, improvements to a home take a senior lien position for any mortgages that uh, might be already recorded in the bank. The uh, Federal Housing Finance Administration, the supervisor of Fannie and Freddie, uh, has a request for information that uh, uh, because they're considering tightening the standards for Fannie and Freddie lending uh, because of this threat that Pace imposes with the senior lien position. The Federal Home Loan Bank will not take a loan as collateral that has been subjected and, and becomes a junior lien position as collateral. So uh, there's tremendous impact. And so legislation is just being uh, started to uh, correct the challenges. But it's important that every banker in the state get with their senators and their representatives and be sure they understand that this is not just a, a a protest against energy efficient improvements. Uh, it's it's a correction to this uh, loan underwriting and senior status that uh, really jeopardizes the uh, really the safety and soundness of banks loans across the state. Well, thank you, Rob. Thank you for joining us and for all your insights about what's happening at the division. I know I speak for everyone at the NBA, and I'm sure all of our bankers when we say we're thrilled that you are the commissioner and we look forward to everything that's going to happen at the division during your time there. Thank you for that. And again, thank you for this opportunity. It is our pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for taking the time to join us. If you like this episode or have thoughts about future podcast episodes, again, feel free to contact me, Jackson Hathaway, 
or Lori Bruce, Director of Communications at the NBA. We love to hear from our bankers. We'd love to know what you want to hear about, and we look forward to bringing you engaging content moving forward. For the latest news from the Missouri Bankers, please visit our website, www.mobankers.com, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram. That's it from our end. Thanks for joining us, and have a great day.